welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning and to um, consider on this uh, kind of one-off Sunday uh, what difference incarnation actually makes. We have been over the last several weeks, obviously, with Christmas and uh, Advent, uh, setting ourselves up for and leaning into the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ. Advent, as you know, also celebrates and prepares for the second coming of Christ. So here we are in between the times of Jesus's arrival, and uh, I want to explore with you on this uh, Sunday morning, what, what is it, what is it, what does incarnation on the ground look like? Uh, and it is uh, in, in that uh, vein that I'm going to ask you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to uh, Luke chapter 2. That's is where we're going to be. And of course, the Gospels begin, Matthew and Luke each have their own kind of uh, birth narratives. Both John has, has a kind of a uh, of a creation invitation into his prologue. Mark just kind of starts off with Jesus as an adult almost um, and, and begins his story that way. But the Gospel of Luke begins with this. I mean, in most of our Christmas stories, the familiar ones, the Charlie Brown ones, right, come from Luke. Uh, and we are, are invited into this, <laughs> just this, this cataclysmic moment where, where angels and, and, and shepherds and all kinds of wonder breaks out in the universe. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, we, we're kind of leaning into this stupendous moment. Uh, and then what happens? Well, as it turns out, it appears not much. Uh, it appears that things haven't changed all that much. Um, Mary and uh, Joseph take the baby to be dedicated. They receive these prophetic words which are disturbing uh, to them. And uh, it, it, is, it is this kind of awareness that Luke wants us, I think, to be aware of and invites us into that incarnation is not just about or even primarily about arrival. Incarnation is about the life that ripples out from, from arrival. What, what difference does it make? What happens with with this awareness that Jesus has come, that God has come to be with us. Because again, as I've mentioned to you all before, incarnation is not about rescue. Jesus didn't come to get us out of our mess. Jesus came to be with us in our mess. Not simply so that he could put some nice spiritual meaning on our mess, but so that he could lead us, not extract us, but lead us out of the mess by teaching us, A, what got us into the mess in the first place. How can we not do that anymore, assuming we don't want to stay where we are? And how can we bring as many people as possible uh, 
with us out of the chaotic conditions that we currently live in. And, and, and I, I, I think it's important that we kind of take him seriously in this because I, as we head into this new year, which is already starting to look a whole lot like the old one, we want to say, well, what's the point of this? Uh, and I think Jesus has something to say to us in that regard, um, because I think what has been revealed in the last several months, year and a half at least, is how inhuman we have become. Our inhumanity has been on 11. Uh, you, you see the tensions that we experience in our own personal journeys erupting in the supermarket line where people have a meltdown in aisle three because their cheese isn't there. Or where we start, I mean, you, uh, uh, I, uh, because my dad was in the airline industry, I just have an affinity to that. And uh, so I pay attention to all of the ways that we are melting down on airplanes because of mandates or requests or whatever it is. And we're just treating people poorly. And Jesus wants to teach us how to be human again and to enable us to be human again. We have become subhuman. We have become inhuman. This is the nature of sin. Sin means we miss the mark. What's the mark we miss? We miss the mark of humanity. We miss the mark of what it means for us to be human beings. So <laughs> Jesus, from the get-go, invites us into that. So here we are. Luke chapter 2 begins at verse 39. Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law. Uh, they returned then to Galilee, to their own hometown of Nazareth. The child grew, became strong, he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now every year, Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom, and after the festival was over, his parents were returning home, but the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they didn't know it. They thought he was in their company, and so they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and at his answers, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. <laughs> Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So, then he went down to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 
So we begin inauspiciously, verse 39, Jesus and, uh, had, been, had been dedicated, he had been named, he had received these prophetic words from Simeon and, and, and Anna, uh, he has been redeemed, so Mary and Joseph now having redeemed their newborn son with two birds, indicating by the way the level of their poverty uh, have have bought back, if you will, their firstborn son, and now received the awareness that they are stewards of this boy as God's gift. They, uh, it says, go home. And and after all of the angels, after all of the shepherds, after all of the things, you would have thought something more spectacular would have occurred, especially when it says very specifically they returned to the Galilee. And to Nazareth, this is a backwater town on the way to nowhere. The Galilee is as far away from the center of power as you can get in the ancient Near East of Jerusalem, of Judea. So, so they, they, they are, 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 are the, the echo of angels' song fades rather quickly as they go back up to Nazareth and a I want to suggest that this is the point of incarnation. Incarnation is not about spectacular. Incarnation is about normal. Jesus didn't come to be incarnate at the highest of levels. He came to be incarnate at the lowest of levels. Why? Because at the highest of levels, you miss the lowest of levels. But if you get down to the bottom of where people actually live on the streets then everything else um, above, if you will, is joined into that incarnation. So the, the point of this is, is again, to underline uh, how, how he has identified, this is a major theme for Luke, with the poor, with the people at the bottom of the pile, and that his strategy is not spectacular. His strategy is ordinary. We want extraordinary and Jesus, he knows how to do that, by the way, and will on occasion when we won't get distracted by it. Here's the problem. We are so distracted by the extraordinary. We, we, we can't imagine who God, a God who might come and just invite us to put in a good day's work and treat people kindly. So when he sets the stage for the salvation of the world, he gives us a clue as to how it's probably going to be accomplished. It's not going to be accomplished in big deal stuff. It's going to be accomplished in little deal stuff. Here it says, he grew up, he became strong, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you want to say, but then he was filled with wisdom this didn't mean, by the way, that he was smarter than everybody else. In Old Testament understanding, Jewish understanding, wisdom is about how life works. Why was he filled with wisdom? Well, because Jesus had, did have one advantage that most of the rest of us don't have. He starts out human. We start out inhuman. So we start out oppositional. We start out out of alignment. We have to realign ourselves to wisdom. Jesus starts out 
aligned with the way the universe works. He starts out with that awareness. And so he is filled with wisdom here. He, he is, he is um, uh, gr- graced. He is in alignment with what God is doing and uh, enjoys that kind of, he gets how life works. That's essentially what he's saying. And then the grace of God is upon him. Why? Well, because that alignment puts him into the flow of what God is doing. And, and the point, as we set this up a little bit, even for the 12-year moment coming up, we are, we are prepared for the big moments by tons of little moments that don't matter and that nobody notices. We want the big deal stuff. We want the headlines. We want the 140 characters. And instead, we're invited to just day by day show up in your own life because that's the only place you will ever meet God. Do do you know what I mean? It's the only place. Paula Darcy says, God comes to you disguised as your life. So if you're not there, if you're standing on the, on, 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 on the ordinary of your life looking for some extraordinary headline moment, you will miss the God who is present with you in the everyday, in, in the relationships. And incarnation has to, I, I, I think, has to work at that kind of subsonic almost level because that's where we live. That's where, where the damage has been most done, where the fractures have, have worked through, the seasons where nothing much is happening. Nothing much is happening. Now, this has frustrated the early church so much that there was a whole group of folks who generated this fantasy life for Jesus as they imagined, here's this little boy who has power to craft birds out of clay and launch them into the air. No. In fact, as we get to the 12-year mark, we discover even Mary and Joseph are forgotten angel song. They, they, they don't, because, I mean, 12 years is a long time to remember the moments. It's like, what was that about? Anybody been married for 10 or 15 or 20 years and you kind of think, something happened back there. I'm not sure what all it was, but, but here we still are, you know? So here they go. They'll go up to Jerusalem. And I love this, this little insight here, verse 41. Every year, Joseph's, Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the festival. They went up to the festival. That was their custom. So here is Joseph. Remember how he is defined. Matthew defines him as a, a man of righteousness who does the right thing. That's all it means. doesn't mean that he's of moral superiority. It just means that he knows the path that is defined for him by the law, by the way of the Lord, and he stays in it. That's all it means. So here he is. Where, where are you going to find him on feast day? Where are you going to find him on the three festivals? You're going to find him in Jerusalem because that's where a good observant 
Jewish righteous man is going to go. And Joseph is interesting because it says that he, he brings them, essentially brings them along with him. He doesn't have to do that. All that the law requires is that the male goes to Jerusalem three times a year. But Joseph is bringing Mary and Jesus and whoever else with him, right? And by the time Jesus is 12, it's quite likely that Mary and Joseph have a number of other children. And so throughout the course of this festival, uh, the oldest son drifts off and nobody seems to notice that he's missing. Now, now this is hard for us in our hyper alert age. We can't imagine a scenario and perhaps in which this would have occurred, but this would not have been unusual. They would have traveled with a group of maybe family and friends from Nazareth down to uh, up to Jerusalem, up as they would climb the mountain up to Jerusalem. They would be there, and and you know how it is sometimes when you go camping with friends or when you go uh, to events with friends, and everybody's caring for everybody else in 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 a space, and again. This, this was common in my upbringing when I was a kid, um, where we would go camping with friends, and uh, it, would be, it would be hours and sometimes days before we would recognize, oh, who's with whom, you know? And it's hard for us to imagine that, but re- remember, a, a, a boy became a man at 13 in ancient Near Eastern tradition. We have invented adolescence to allow for uh, an elastic period of irresponsibility between childhood and adulthood. And it's stretching out. I don't know if you've noticed that pandemic has begun to press pretty hard and it's stretched it out on, on the top end particularly. Now you can be an adolescent well into your 20s. Uh, not, not cool. But anyway, uh, Jesus here is, is, is on the leading edge almost of adult identity. And, um, and, and, and I, as we, can I just back up just a little bit? One of the things I love about this little insight into Joseph's caring for his family is that this is what incarnation looks like too. It looks like doing the religious things. One of the things that has taken a hit in this pandemic season is church attendance. I can be religious without church. I can be Christian without church. Sadly, brothers and sisters, no, you can't. Not for very long. Sooner or later, drift is going to set in. We need one another. We need to sing in community. We need as much as we can. I mean, I I am so proud, if I can say it that way, of the work that was done by our teams to try and keep us together online. And I'm very grateful for the gifts of the Levites, the people who run the cameras and the sound systems and the, uh, all, of, all of that. So, 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 so grateful. And I don't mean to denigrate any of the work that they do. And I get why there are situations in which we want to kind of observe from online health issues. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But sooner or later, all of the things being equal, we need to be in the same space. And here is, as part of our development, part of our growth, we are built for this elbow-on-elbow kind of connection. 
And um, I, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for the digital spaces that are opened up to the church, the, metis, the metaverse or un, meta, is that what it's called anymore? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, some of y'all should stake out some real estate there and just pay for it with crypto, you'll be fine. I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't understand it and I'm gonna be dead before it's all that big a deal. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, but that said, um, Joseph here is uh, incarnation is an embodied communal discipline. It's embodied and it's communal. It, in, it involves physical space. It involves eating together. That's what the festivals were about. The festivals, certainly, they were about the worship, and they were about the, the hearing of the stories and the telling of the stories again. But it was about, I mean, you read in Deuteronomy 14, the kinds of preparation that they would engage in for these festival moments. It was like, uh, take some money and have a good time in the big city with your friends. And I... I, I if I were starting off the parenting journey again, this is, as I look back, we had all our boys together um, yesterday because my oldest son tested positive uh, three days before Christmas, so that kind of pushed everything. But I was looking at them and in preparation for here, I just realized I didn't do celebration very well as a dad. And especially celebration around the things and the ways of the Lord and the community of the people. I, I, I think, I don't know how I would do it differently, but I, I would study, I'd try to study to figure out how to do it differently. Some of our dads here um, do so much better than I ever did. And, and my son does. I, I, I watch in awe of some of the young men who are, are fathering now in ways that I, I, I wish I had capacity to go back and do differently and don't i'm grateful uh for for the men my sons have become in spite of me uh i am their their student in so many different ways um that said uh i i want to underline that that's what it also takes to to support incarnation we need to gather together in community we need um, uh, these moments that are not about us, that are about the, the communal identity around a table, around a cross, around an empty tomb. The church calendar gives us regular opportunities to dig into these identities. And, and, and of course, because Judaism that Jesus grew up in is a um, a, 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 a culture of the book, a culture of the word. The main event in Jerusalem is the temple, the space in the temple where the teachers would gather and, and, and all day long would be engaged in conversation and, and so on. Again, because we have so privatized our entertainment where it's as discreet as your phone, you can be completely isolated from people in the same physical space. In that um, environment, of course, that would not 
be possible. It would be, we would be learning together in community. There would be a, a, a rabbi seated and people standing around listening in to the conversation. That would be the entertainment, if you will, on these festival days. And here's Jesus, 13 years old to be within this short period of time. He's 12 now. And he is right in the center of the action. He has been trained as a good Jewish boy, likely in Nazareth, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's memorized them, likely by the age of 12. He's got them all memorized. He has probably already begun, because this is fairly typical synagogal training that we know in the ancient Near East. He's gotten some facility in the prophets. He's beginning to raise the questions, and this question and answer, asking good questions, is the sign of his having developed capacity, wisdom, and ability. So he is in this moment, and people are amazed at his understanding, that he, he gets things right. And, and as, as this reflection, again, of being trained up in a certain way in a certain household begins to bubble up as they are part of this eight-day celebration. And of course, as we learn, Mary and Joseph have been happy. Can you imagine, by the way, a social environment at which it would be fine for you not to know where your kids are for two or three days? You just know that they're going to be fine. They're going to be safe. Somebody's going to kind of, because it's, it's the village, right? Um, and so it's not that they're bad parents. It's not like somebody should report them. It's this probably would not have been the first time or the only time that this kind of thing would have happened. But by the end of the day, they recognize, oh, wait, the boy's missing. And of course, when you've got two or three other rugrats running around, you tend to lose sight of the most responsible one at the top of the pile, right? And so here, 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 here they are. And they come back to Jerusalem and they're looking all over for them. And uh, three days here doesn't mean three days from the arrival in Jerusalem. It means cumulatively from having left to having discovered to having turned and come back, that parts of three days have elapsed is the, the, the image here. And they, they find him, finally, in the temple, and they're astonished. Why have you treated us like this? Why have you treated us like this? We've been anxiously searching for you. And I love this little moment here where Jesus is a typical 12-year-old boy. Didn't, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? He can't understand why they're concerned. First of all, why are you looking for me any place but here? You should have known this is where I would be. This is how you've parented me. This is how you've raised me. This is, has been my story, Right? But why are you anxious? Didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? 
in my father's house. And I love this little line here at the end of verse 49, uh, 50. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. We have um, this year seen, uh, been, been, been blessed with the kind of sarcastic memes centered around the 20-year-old song, Mary, Did You Know? I don't know if any of you have seen any of those. Um, Mark Lowry's song from 20 years ago, and everybody sarcastically kind of a little bit of edge to it says, Mary freaking knew. You had the angel, you had all of this other stuff. Well, this story tells us maybe not. Maybe she didn't know. Or maybe having known, like we so often do when things just settle into the normal, you don't realize that it's not a then, it's an ongoing awareness. We don't, we don't have it, but here's the deal. When they are confronted with what we think they should have known, they didn't know. They didn't understand. They didn't have the awareness that, of course, you would have had having had an angelic visitation. And it's not that Mary forgot how Jesus was born. It's just the meaning has become faded, has become blurred, perhaps. Does that ever happen to you, by the way? The meaning of miracle starts to fade? Like the meaning of your own precious life? Do you ever lose track in the day-to-dayness of how God breathed you into being? Hmm. We lose track. That's why incarnation is not about big deal stuff. It's about little deal stuff. It's a little moment, day by day. And Jesus here at age 12 has already started to turn and leave home. But notice what happens next. Verse 51. He went down to Nazareth with them. He was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Did you catch that? Here he is, an awareness, maybe, that he has an identity as his father's son. And by the way, this wouldn't have been completely uncommon for persons whose origin story is slightly different than his to have an awareness in Jerusalem at the temple that they are first Jews before they are, remember, they had been given in this temple to the Father. They are first God's children and second the stewardship responsibility of their mom and dad. You see what's going on here? And Jesus is kind of leaning into that identity, maybe, Or maybe he has some awareness supernaturally. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, But even with that awareness, 
He submits himself to them. And this is the other element of the incarnation that I want to underline. If incarnation can't submit, it can't reveal. If it can't say, say, say yes to, to those who are in authority, if you will, over him, and settle in, because 12 years old, we don't hear another thing for almost 20 years. 18 years is going to be the next moment where he appears on the scene. What's he doing all this time? He's being human. That's not a bad job description right there. We need more humans in our world. And Jesus invites us into this submissive learning of who he is when nobody else is watching. When... Uh, maybe there is no recognition. Nobody else is quite on board to your wonderfulness. Maybe it's just showing up and doing your work. When Paul gets a hold of this idea and writes to the church at Thessalonica about what God's will for them is, he says, make it your business to mind your own business. Get a job. Work with your hands. Make a contribution. Why? Because remember the image? You're salt and light, absorbed into the world in discrete bits, transformational from the inside out. You're unique, just like everybody else. So we get engaged in the ordinary, the everyday that flows from incarnation, and this is where God meets us so that it could be said of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, that is not a bad New Year's resolution right there. What if, as a church, as individuals, we made it our decision to lean into growing up this year in wisdom, wisdom from above, and stature, and favor with God and man. Are you in? This is, this is the boring part of incarnation, that if we don't get right, the world will not be saved. The world will not be saved by big deal stuff. It's going to be saved by little deal people. Because folks, tomorrow morning, some of you are going to go into work environments where everybody is vibrating at the same frequency they vibrated at. Can you tamp that down by becoming an incarnational presence in that space? That's the goal. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, uh, we want to be your people. And uh, frankly, um, sometimes myself, I want to be your person um, in the spotlight. I want to be your person in the moments of notoriety, but I recognize following Jesus that in order to be effective in those moments, should they ever come, I have to be your person when nobody but you is looking. And I pray for courage, O oh Lord, to, to do that, to lean into that. 
And I pray for us as a church, O oh Lord, as we have made some principal decisions to um, change the way we engage with our culture and our culture engages with us. I pray that we would take seriously, Lord, this is not just a, a faddish way of addressing things. This is an intentional discipline that we are choosing to step into individually and corporately, at least corporately and maybe individually, so that we can become more useful, growing, increasing in wisdom and stature, favor with God and man. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us in this regard today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.